9. A. Glenda W. Locust, 2nd Lieutenant, Sealy, 10. Aldnown Logan, 1st Lieutenant, Lawrence, Cairns, James B. Lomack, 1st Lieutenant, National Guard, District of Columbia, Howard H. Long, 1st Lieutenant, Washington, D.C. Victor Long, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Lonnie W. Lott, 2nd Lieutenant, Austin, Tex, Charles H. Love, 2nd Lieutenant, Atlanta, G.A., Edgar A. Love, 1st Lieutenant, Baltimore, M.D., Frank W. Love, Captain, U.S. Army, George P. Love, 1st Lieutenant, Greensboro, N.C. John W. Love, 1st Lieutenant, Baltimore, M.D., Joseph Lowe, Captain, U.S. Army, Walter Lowe, 1st Lieutenant, St. Louis, Mo, Charles C. Luck, Jr. 2nd Lieutenant, San Marcos, Tex, Walter Leon, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Harry J. Mack, 2nd Lieutenant, Cheney, Pond, Amos B. Madison, 1st Lieutenant, Omaha, Neb, Edgar F. Malone, 2nd Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Edgar O. Malone, Captain, U.S. Army, Earl W. Mann, 1st Lieutenant, Champagne, Hill, Vance H. Marchbanks, Captain, U.S. Army, Leon F. Marsh, 1st Lieutenant, Berkeley, Kel Alfred E. Marshall, 2nd Lieutenant, Greenwood, S.C. Cyrus W. Marshall, 2nd Lieutenant, Baltimore, M.D., Q.B. Martin, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Joseph H. Martin, 1st Lieutenant, Washington, D.C. Eric P. Mason, 1st Lieutenant, Gettings, Tex, Denise M.C.G., Matthews, 1st Lieutenant, Los Angeles, Kel Joseph E. Matthews, 2nd Lieutenant, Cleburne, Tex, Anderson N.A., Captain, Atlanta, G.A., Walter H. Mosaic, 1st Lieutenant, Washington, D.C. Peter McCall, Captain U.S. Army, Milton A. McCremont, Captain, U.S. Army, Robert A. Medwayne, 2nd Lieutenant, E. St. Louis, Hill, Osceola E. McKin, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, James E. McKee, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Kerry McLean, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Archie McLee, 1st Lieutenant, New York, N.Y. Leonard W. McLeod, 1st Lieutenant, Hampton, V.A., Albert McRae Knowles, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Marshall Meadows, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Louis R. Mellinger, Captain, Washington, D.C. Louis R. Middleton, 1st Lieutenant, Washington, D.C. Benjamin H. Mills, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Harry W. Mills, Captain, U.S. Army, Warren N. Mims, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, J. Ward Law Mitchell, 2nd Lieutenant, Milledgeville, G.A., Pine L. Mitchell, 2nd Lieutenant, Austin, Tex, John H. Mitcherson, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Ralph E. Mizell, 2nd Lieutenant, Champagne, Hill, Hubert M. Momont, 2nd Lieutenant, Tubalu, Miss, John M. Moore, 1st Lieutenant, Meridian, Miss, Loring B. Moore, 2nd Lieutenant, Brunswick, G.A., Elias A. Morris, 1st Lieutenant, Helena, Ark, Thomas E. Morris, Captain, U.S. Army, James B. Morris, 2nd Lieutenant, Des Moines, I.A., Cleveland Morrow, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Henry Morrow, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Abraham Morse, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Benjamin H. Mosby, 1st Lieutenant, St. Louis, Mo, Benedict Mosley, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Scott A. Moyer, 2nd Lieutenant, 
U.S. Army, Albert C. Murdoch, 2nd Lieutenant, Columbia, S.C. Alonzo Myers, Captain, Philadelphia, Pa, Thomas J. Narciss, 2nd Lieutenant, Generet, Low, Earl H. Nash, 2nd Lieutenant, Atlanta, G.A., Homer G. Naley, 1st Lieutenant, Palestine, Tex, Gurney E. Nelson, 2nd Lieutenant, Greensboro, N.C. William S. Nelson, 1st Lieutenant, Washington, D.C. William S. Nelson, 1st Lieutenant, Atlanta, G.A., James P. Nobles, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Grafton S. Norman, 1st Lieutenant, Atlanta, G.A., Richard M. Norris, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Ambrose B. Nutt, 2nd Lieutenant, Cambridge, Mass., Benjamin L. Ousley, 2nd Lieutenant, Tuvalu, Miss, Charles W. Owens, Captain, United States Army, Charles G. Owings, 2nd Lieutenant, Norfolk, VA, William W. Oxley, 1st Lieutenant, Cambridge, Mass., Wilbury Pannell, 2nd Lieutenant, Staunton, VA, Charles S. Parker, 2nd Lieutenant, Spokane, Wash, Walter E. Parker, 2nd Lieutenant, Little Rock, Ark, Clemmy C. Parks, 1st Lieutenant, Fort Scott, Cairns, Adam E. Patterson, Captain, Chicago, Hill, Humphrey C. Patton, 1st Lieutenant, Washington, D.C. Clarence H. Payne, 1st Lieutenant, Chicago, Hill, William D. Peaks, Captain, U.S. Army, Robert R. Penn, 1st Lieutenant, New York, N.Y. Marion R. Perry, 2nd Lieutenant, Pine Bluff, Ark, Hanson A. Person, 2nd Lieutenant, Wynn, Ark, Harry B. Peters, 2nd Lieutenant, Atlanta, G.A., James H. Peden, 2nd Lieutenant, Montgomery, Ayla, Joseph Phillips, Captain, Columbus, Ohio, David A. Pierce, 2nd Lieutenant, Clarksville, 10, Harrison J. Pinkett, 1st Lieutenant, Omaha, Number, James C. Pinkston, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Percival or Piper, 1st Lieutenant, Washington, D.C. Anderson F. Pence, 1st Lieutenant, Chicago, Hill, Fisher Pride, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Hellerman W. Porter, 2nd Lieutenant, Cambridge, Mass., James C. Powell, 1st Lieutenant, Washington, D.C. Wade H. Powell, 2nd Lieutenant, Atlanta, G.A., William J. Powell, 1st Lieutenant, Chicago, Hill, Gloucester A. Price, 2nd Lieutenant, Fort Myer, Flaw, John F. Pritchard, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Henry H. Proctor, 1st Lieutenant, Atlanta, G.A., John H. Purnell, 1st Lieutenant, Trap, M.D., Howard D. Queen, Captain, U.S. Army, Richard R. Queen, 2nd Lieutenant, Washington, D.C. Harold L. Quivers, 1st Lieutenant, Washington, D.C. Washington H. Rax, 2nd Lieutenant, U.S. Army, John E. Rayford, 2nd Lieutenant, Atlanta, G.A., Hazel L. Rain, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Fred D. Ramsey, 1st Lieutenant, Wedgefeld, S.C. James O. Redmond, 2nd Lieutenant, Newton, Iowa, Charles G. Reed, 1st Lieutenant, Charleston, S.C. Rufus Reed, Captain, U.S. Army, Lightfoot H. Reese, 2nd Lieutenant, Newman, G.A., William L. Reese, 2nd Lieutenant, Bennettsville, S.C. Robert S. Reed, 2nd Lieutenant, Newman, G.A., Samuel Reed, Captain, U.S. Army, Adolph Reyes, 2nd Lieutenant, Philadelphia, Pond, Elijah Reynolds, Captain, U.S. Army, John F. Rice, 1st Lieutenant, 
Chicago, Hill, Douglas C. Richardson, 2nd Lieutenant, Washington, D.C. Harry D. Richardson, 1st Lieutenant, Washington, D.C. Leonard, H. Richardson, 1st Lieutenant, Oakland, Kalmatia A. Richmond, 2nd Lieutenant, Des Moines, I.A., Francis E. Rivers, 1st Lieutenant, New Haven, Con, Marion C. Roden, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Charles E. Roberts, 1st Lieutenant, Atlantic City, N.J. Clyde Roberts, 2nd Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Edward Robertson, 2nd Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Charles W. Robinson, 2nd Lieutenant, Cleveland, Ohio, George C. Robinson, 1st Lieutenant, Atlanta, G.A., Peter L. Robinson, 1st Lieutenant, Washington, D.C. William W. Robinson, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Julian P. Rogers, 1st Lieutenant, Montgomery, Ayla, John W. Rowe, 1st Lieutenant, Danville, Key, Thomas Rucker, Captain, U.S. Army, Edward P. Rogue, 1st Lieutenant, New York City, Malilio W. Rush, 1st Lieutenant, Atlanta, G.A., John Russell, Captain, U.S. Army, Louis H. Russell, 2nd Lieutenant, New York, N.Y. Earl Ryder, 2nd Lieutenant, Springfield, Hill, Chester Sanders, Captain, U.S. Army, Joseph B. Sanders, 2nd Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Walter R. Sanders, Captain, U.S. Army, Clifford A. Sandridge, Captain, U.S. Army, Lorino Sanford, Captain, U.S. Army, Elliot D. Saunders, 2nd Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Walker L. Savoy, 2nd Lieutenant, Washington, D.C. Elmer P. Sawyer, 2nd Lieutenant, Providence, R.I. George S. Schuyler, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, James E. Scott, 2nd Lieutenant, Washington, D.C. James E. Scott, 1st Lieutenant, Hampton, V.A., Joseph H. Scott, 1st Lieutenant, Darlington, S.C. Walter W. Scott, 2nd Lieutenant, Brooksville, Miss, William F. Scott, Captain, U.S. Army, Fletcher Sewell, Captain, U.S. Army, Sherman R. Sewell, 1st Lieutenant, Washington, D.C. Charles A. Shaw, 1st Lieutenant, Atlanta, G.A., Warren B. Shelton, 2nd Lieutenant, Hot Springs, Ark, Robert T. Schaub, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Hell Short, 1st Lieutenant, Iowa City, I.A., Harry W. Short, 2nd Lieutenant, Iowa City, I.A., Ogden N. Simmons, 1st Lieutenant, Waldo, Flaw, Richard Simmons, Captain, U.S. Army, William E. Simmons, 1st Lieutenant, Burlington, V.T., Austin Sims, 2nd Lieutenant, Darien, G.A., John H. Sims, Jr. 1st Lieutenant, Jacksonville, Flaw, Illustration, Artillery at Work in a French Forest. This was a phase of operation in which the Negro units of the 167th Brigade distinguished themselves in the closing days of the war. Illustration, Sentry Box Outside of RGIME and EAL Headquarters with Warning Horn for Gas Attacks. Camouflaged Gate on the Left. Illustration, One of the Huge Guns. 16-inch caliber of the American Railway Artillery, which did such frightful execution near the close of the war. Camouflaged throughout. Illustration, A Railroad in France. This one was used by a portion of the 93rd Division in the Champagne to transport troops and supplies to the front. Illustration, Kitchen and Dining Quarters at the Front. Soldiers belong to famous 93rd Division American Negro Soldiers Brigade with the French. Illustration, Infantry and Gunners at Close Grips. Drawing represents a brilliant counter-attack in a shell-torn wood in France. Illustration, 
Secret organizations present at the breaking of the ground for McDonough Memorial Hospital, W. 133rd Street, New York, named in honor of Mr. David Carney McDonough, pioneer Negro physician of that city, to be used as a base unit for colored soldiers. Illustration, Eli Ludi, John A. P. P. L. B. A. of the Red Cross Home Service, comforting and reassuring soldiers anxious about the welfare of their families. Camp Number 43, Giaviaris, France. Illustration, Crown Prince and Kaiser Bill, to German dogs and their captors, the soldiers are Privates Robinson Cialidi, 539th Engineers and Daniel Nelson, 372nd Infantry, Abraham L. Simpson, Captain, Louisville, Key, Lawrence Simpson, 1st Lieutenant, Chicago, Hill, William R. Smalls, 1st Lieutenant, Manassas, VA, Daniel Smith, Captain, U.S. Army, Innos B. Smith, 2nd Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Ernest Smith, 2nd Lieutenant, Philadelphia, Pond, Farrell N. Smith, 1st Lieutenant, Orangeburg, S.C. Joseph W. Smith, 2nd Lieutenant, Concord, S.C. Oscar H. Smith, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Pittman E. Smith, 1st Lieutenant, Columbus, Ohio, Russell Smith, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Walter H. Smith, 1st Lieutenant, Chattanooga, 10. Levi E. South, 2nd Lieutenant, Chicago, Hill, Carlos Sowards, 2nd Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Edward W. Spearman, Captain, U.S. Army, Walter R. St. Clair, 2nd Lieutenant, Philadelphia, Pond, Lloyd A. Stafford, Captain, U.S. Army, Moody Stadden, Captain, U.S. Army, Percy H. Steele, 1st Lieutenant, Washington, D.C. Waddell C. Steele, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Grant Stewart, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Robert K. Stevens, Captain, U.S. Army, Leon Stewart, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Thomas R. Stewart, 1st Lieutenant, Fort Wayne, Int, William A. Stife, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, James M. Stockett, Jr. 1st Lieutenant, Providence, R.I. Wilbur F. Stone Street, 2nd Lieutenant, Topeka, Kans, Daniel T. Taylor, 2nd Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Hannibal B. Taylor, 2nd Lieutenant, Guthrie, Oakland, Pearl E. Taylor, 1st Lieutenant, St. Louis, Mo, Benjamin F. Thomas, Captain, U.S. Army, Bob Thomas, Captain, U.S. Army, Vincent P. Thomas, 2nd Lieutenant, Washington, D.C. Charles M. Thompson, 1st Lieutenant, Columbia, S.C. Joseph Thompson, Captain, U.S. Army, Pierce Simpson, Thompson, 1st Lieutenant, Albany, G.A., Richard C. Thompson, 1st Lieutenant, Harrisburg, Pond, Tolliford T. Thompson, 1st Lieutenant, Houston, Tex, William H. Thompson, 1st Lieutenant, Jacksonville, Flaw, William W. Thompson, Captain, United States Army, James W. Thornton, 1st Lieutenant, West Raleigh, N.C. Leslie J. Thurman, Captain, U.S. Army, Samuel J. Tipton, Captain, U.S. Army, Frederick H. Townsend, 2nd Lieutenant, Newport, R.I. Anderson Trapp, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Charles A. Tribet, 1st Lieutenant, New Haven, Con, Joseph E. Trigg, Captain, Syracuse, N.Y. Archibald Artuk, 2nd Lieutenant, Oberlin, O. Victor J. Tulane, 1st Lieutenant, Montgomery, Ayla, William J. Turnbow, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Alan Turner, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Edward Turner, 1st Lieutenant, 
Omaha, number, Samuel Turner, 2nd Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Shadrach W. Upshaw, 2nd Lieutenant, Austin, Tex, Ferdinand S. Upshur, 2nd Lieutenant, Philadelphia, Pond, George L. Vaughn, 1st Lieutenant, St. Louis, Mo, Austin T. Walden, Captain, Macon, G.A., John P. Walker, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Louis W. Wallace, Captain, U.S. Army, Thomas H. Walters, 1st Lieutenant, New York, N.Y. Robert L. Ward, 1st Lieutenant, Detroit, Mitch, James H. N. Waring, Jr. 1st Lieutenant, Washington, D.C. General A.S. Washington, Captain, U.S. Army, George G. Washington, 2nd Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Bolivari Watkins, 1st Lieutenant, St. Louis, Mo, Alstein M. Watson, 2nd Lieutenant, Tallapoosa, G.A., Baxter W. Watson, 2nd Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Louis L. Watson, 1st Lieutenant, Washington, D.C. William H. Ware, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Walter T. Webb, 1st Lieutenant, Baltimore, M.D., Carter W. Wesley, 1st Lieutenant, Houston, Tex, Harry Wheeler, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Chauncey D. White, 1st Lieutenant, Matthews, V.A., Emmett White, Captain, U.S. Army, Journey W. White, 2nd Lieutenant, Los Angeles, Cal Lorenzo C. White, 2nd Lieutenant, Hampton, V.A., Johnson C. Whitaker, 1st Lieutenant, Lawrence, Kans, Horace J. Wilder, 2nd Lieutenant, U.S. Army, R. for R. Williams, 2nd Lieutenant, Edwards, Miss, Everett P. Williams, 1st Lieutenant, Syracuse, N.Y. Gus Williams, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, James B. Williams, 1st Lieutenant, Baltimore, M.D., John Williams, 2nd Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Oscar H. Williams, 2nd Lieutenant, New York, N.Y. Richard A. Williams, Captain, Lawnside, N.J. Robert G. Williams, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Seymour E. Williams, 2nd Lieutenant, Muskogee, Oakland, Major Williams, 2nd Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Walter B. Williams, Captain, U.S. Army, William H. Williams, Captain, U.S. Army, Elmore S. Willie, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Harry E. Wilson, 1st Lieutenant, Des Moines, I.A., John E. Wilson, 1st Lieutenant, Leavenworth, Cairns, William H. Wilson, 2nd Lieutenant, Greensboro, N.C. Meredith B. Wiley, 1st Lieutenant, El Paso, Tex, Christopher C. Wimish, 1st Lieutenant, Atlanta, G.A., Hugh H. Wimish, 2nd Lieutenant, Atlanta, G.A., Roland T. Winstead, 2nd Lieutenant, Rocky Mount, N.C. George W. Winston, Captain, United States Army, Ernest M. Wood, 2nd Lieutenant, Mebane, N.C. Benjamin F. Wright, 2nd Lieutenant, New York, N.Y. Albert S. Wright, 2nd Lieutenant, Baldwin, Cairns, John Wynn, 2nd Lieutenant, U.S. Army, Edward York, Captain, United States Army, Charles Young, 1st Lieutenant, U.S. Army, William A. Young, 2nd Lieutenant, Sumter, S.C. Charles G. Young, 1st Lieutenant, Washington, D.C. Chapter XIV, Across Dividing Seas, Black Thousands Assemble Soldiers of Liberty Severing Home Ties Man's Work Must Be Done First Negroes in France Meeting with French Colonials Early History of 15th New York They Sail Away Become French Fighting Men Hold 20 of American Lines Terror to Germans Only Barrier Between the O.C.H.E. and Paris Imperishable. Record of New Yorkers Turning Point of War.
Tolan you see the black clouds resnodder yonder like as though we squander have a storm. Mumber you's mistaken. Dems, loyal black folks sailing off to fight for Uncle Sam. From the plantations of the south. From the mines. The workshops and factories. From the levees of the Mississippi. The cities. Villages. Farms of the north. The east. The south. The west. From the store. The counting house. The office and the institution of learning they came the black thousands to strike for their altars and their homes, to fight for Uncle Sam. How splendid was the spectacle of their response. There's not to ask the why, there's but to do and die. Bearing the burden placed upon them by white men as they had for centuries. Nevertheless, in the supreme moment of their country's life, a day that shall live in story, many of them did not know what it all was about, where Germany was located nor the significance attaching to the word Hun. In a vague way they understood that across the sea an armed and powerful nation was threatening the happiness of mankind, the freedom of the world. In the presence of this contemplated crime, they were wide-ed, open laid, awake. Their sires had known bondage, and they, their children, had felt and knew the effects of it. America which for centuries had oppressed their forefathers had finally through the arbitrament of war, freed them, white men and black men, in the dark days of 6165, numbering many thousands, had lain down their lives to save the Union, and in doing so had brought them freedom. They had been told that America was threatened, that was enough. It was to them a summons, sharp, quick, incisive to duty. It was, although 140 years after, the voice of Washington at Valley Forge, the call of Perry to their fathers, needing soldiers at the Battle of Lake Erie, of Jackson at New Orleans. It was to their listening ears the echo of Bull Run, of Santiago, of Manila, and later of Carazal, Uncle Sam needed them. That was enough, what more was to be said? Denied the opportunity to enlist. The Negro's patriotic, patient soul asserted itself, if he must go as a drafted soldier, it would be in the same fine spirit that would have inspired him as a loyal enlisted man. Life, as to all men, was sweet to them. They had mothers, fathers, sisters and brothers wives and sweethearts, the ties of association, of home, from all of which they would be separated and for all of which they cherished that love, which alone of human fires, burns and burns, forever the same, for nature feeds the pyre, above and over all these things, tending to augment the seriousness of the sacrifice he was to be called upon to make, was the spirit, the optimism, the joy of life that attends vigorous youth and young manhood, nature in all of its enticing charm and beauty, was smiling in the home places these men were leaving, flowers bloomed, birds sang, insects buzzed cheerily. There were green fields and babbling brooks, the stately beauty of trees, and the delights of lake, river and vale. The cities from which they came, were many of them, splendid monuments of the work of man. The sun clothed in glory the days, moon and stars gave a loveliness to the nights. Leaving these things to face suffering and hardship, possible death in strange lands, caused many a pang but a man's work had to be done, and they were there to do it. While they knew there would be no chance in France to follow the wild bee to its tree, to track the fox or hunt the possum or the coon, the hum they would hear would be that of machine gun bullets, their sting, death or serious wounding. For game they would hunt the hun, would kill or be by him killed. There were busy times in thousands of homes when the young negroes of the land, from east, west, north and south went forth to a war, bright faces hiding the pangs of parting, happy, singing lads left their homes to enter a new life on earth or, the tragedy of it, also the glory, a new life in the great beyond, 
beyond the stars and flaming suns. The training camp was their first destination and was to be their home for months. Correspondents in France wrote of Negro soldiers being among the first expeditionary force to set foot upon the soil of the battle-torn republic. This force arrived there in June, 1917, and was composed of Marines and infantry from the regular army. Floyd Gibbons, the intrepid representative of the Chicago Tribune, speaking of the first Negro contingents in his remarkable book entitled, And They Thought We Wouldn't Fight, said, there was to be seen on the streets of St. Nazire that day some representative black Americans, who had also landed in that historical first contingent. There was a strange thing about these Negroes. It will be remembered that in the early stages of our participation in the war it had been found that there was hardly sufficient khaki cloth to provide uniforms for all of our soldiers. That had been the case with these American Negro soldiers. But somewhere down in Washington, somehow or other, someone resurrected an old, large heavy iron canvas, inserted into an ancient rusty lock, had opened some long-forgotten door in one of the government arsenals. There were revealed old dust-covered bundles wrapped up in newspapers yellow with age, and when these wrappings of the past were removed, there were seen the uniforms of old Union Blue that had been laid away back in 65 uniforms that had been worn by men who fought and bled and died to save the Union, and ultimately free those early black Americans, and here on this foreign shore, on this day in June more than half a century later, the sons and grandsons of those same freed slaves wore those same uniforms of Union Blue as they landed in France to fight for a newer freedom freedom for the white man no less than themselves, throughout all the earth. Some of these Negroes were stevedores from the lower Mississippi levees, who sang as they worked in their white army undershirts, across the chest of which were penciled in blue and red, strange mystic devices, religious phrases and other signs, calculated to contribute the charm of safety to the running of the submarine blockade. Two of these American Negroes, walking up the main street of St. Nazire, saw on the other side of the thoroughfare a brother of color wearing the lighter blue uniform of a French soldier. This French Negro was a colonial black from the north of Africa and of course had spoken nothing but French from the day he was born. One of the American Negroes crossed the street and accosted him. Look at here, boy, he inquired good-naturedly. What can you all tell me about this here was? Comment, monsieur, responded the non-understanding French black, and followed the rejoinder with a torrent of excited French. The American Negro's mouth fell open. For a minute he looked startled, and then he bulged one large round eye suspiciously at the French black while he inwardly debated on the possibility that he had become colorblind, having reassured himself, however, that his vision was not at fault. He made a sudden decision and started on a new tack. Now, never mind that highfalutin language he said, you all just tell me what you know about this here while and quit you putting on A's. The puzzled French Negro could only reply with another explosion of French interrogations, coupled with vigorous gesticulations. The American Negro tried to talk at the same time and both of them endeavoring to make the other understand, increased the volumes of their tones until they were standing there waving their arms and shouting into one another's faces. The American gave it up. My God, he said shaking his head as he recrossed the street and joined his comrades. This is sure some funny country. They got the ignorantest colored people here I ever saw. It has been noted that the first Negro combatant regiment to reach France was the celebrated National Guard organization known as the 15th New York Infantry, which christened the 369th when made a part of the 93rd Division of the United States Army. 
This was such a well-drilled and equipped regiment that early in the war it was permitted to go across with the first 100.000, all of which was due to the aggressiveness and insistence of its white commander, Colonel William Hayward. He simply gave the War Department no rest, stating that he was willing his men should unload ships, fell trees and build docks or cantonments so long as they were permitted to sail. The regiment had been organized by Colonel Hayward at the suggestion of Governor Whitman of New York. It was to be patterned after the 8th Illinois where colored men of means sufficient to support commissions, were the officers. The regiment was started in June 1916 and by October had 1.000 in the ranks. Colonel Hayward was the only white officer, the Negro commission holders at that time being Captain Marshall, Captain Fillmore, Lieutenant Lacey, Lieutenant Reed and Lieutenant Europe. The latter was attached to the machine gun section but became later the famous musician of the outfit. He was the only Negro officer who remained with the regiment throughout, the others being superseded or transferred after several months' service in France. Early in 1917, the federal government said it would recognize the regiment if it could muster 51 officers. As recruiting had been slow and a Negro regiment in New York was looked upon as an experiment, Colonel Hayward was obliged to secure the needed officers from among his friends in the 7th New York, the Motor Battery, Squadron and other organizations. By this time the enlisted strength had grown to a 1.200. On April 8, 1917, two days after the United States entered the war, the regiment was inspected by federal officers and a week later was recognized as a regular unit of the Federal Guard. But, as the colonel expressed it, they were a street urchin of a regiment. They had no armory, no place to drill except in the open and no place where more than a single company at a time could meet. In his post-war observations, the colonel has noted that when the regiment returned to these shores and was feasted and entertained by the people of New York in the 71st Regiment Armory, it was the first occasion on which the old 15th was ever assembled under one roof. After its federal recognition the regiment was sent to the Peekskill Rifle Range to learn to shoot. A valuable experience as developed later, many of the boys became expert marksmen, a skill that became of precious value to them and their comrades. In June, 1917. They went to a war strength of 2.000 men and 56 officers. One battalion did pioneer work at Camp Upton, another at Camp Dix. A third guarded 600 miles of railroads in New York, New Jersey and Pennsylvania. The machine gun company guarded 2.000 intern spies and pro-German prisoners at Ellis Island. Colonel Hayward has plumped with pride to the fact that in all their territory there was not a wreck, an explosion, an escaped prisoner or any other trouble. Two battalions later went to Spartanburg for training, but remained there only a couple of weeks. I wonder what got those colored boys to volunteer, someone asked their colonel as they were embarking for France. He replied, I have often thought of that, with many the cause was sheer patriotism. Others said they had gone into the 15th for social reasons, to meet with their friends. One that seemed to me a most pathetic touch said, I ginned up because when Colonel Hayward asked me it was the first time anyone had ever asked me to gin up with anything in my whole lifetime. If any great amount of superstition had existed among the men or officers of the New York Regiment, they would have been greatly depressed over the series of incidents that preceded their arrival in France. In the first place they had been assigned to police and pioneer duty at camps near New York, a duty which no fighting man relishes. They embarked on the transport Pocahontas November 12th. 1917, 200 miles at sea a piston rod was bent and the vessel put back to port. They got away again December 3rd, 
were out a day and had to return on account of fire in the coal bankers. A third attempt on December 12th, in a blizzard, was frustrated by a collision with a tanker in New York Harbor. After the series of bad starts, anyone inclined to indulge in forebodings would have predicted the certainty of their becoming prey for the submarines on the way over. But the fourth attempt proved successful and they landed in France on December 27, 1917. They had hoped to celebrate Christmas Day on French soil, but were forced by the elements and the precautions of convoys and sailing master to observe the anniversary on board the ship. The colonel undoubtedly thought that those first in France would be the first to get a chance at the Bosch, but the department took him at his word, and for over two months his men were kept busy in the vicinity of Saint-Nazaire, largely as laborers and builders. Early in 1918 they went into training quarters near Saint-Nazaire. The 371st, another Negro regiment, made up of draft selectives principally from South Carolina, was later given quarters nearby. The black soldiers of the 369th were brigaded as a part of the 16th Division of the 8th Corps of the 4th French Army. From Street Nazire they went to Givry and Argonne, and there in three weeks the French turned them into a regulation French regiment. They had rebel rifles, French packs and French gas masks. For 191 days they were in the trenches or on the field of battle. In April, 1918, the regiment held 20% of all the territory held by American troops though it comprised less than 1% of all the American soldiers in France. Officers of the 369th reported for an entire year only six cases of drunkenness, and 24 of serious disease. The regiment fought in the Champagne, in the Vosges Mountains, on the Aisne, at Maine de Massages, Butte de Messiel, Dormas, Sechaoult, the Argonne, Ripont, Capinais, Turby, and Bellevue Ridge. It was the first unit of any of the Allied armies to reach the left bank of the Rhine following the signing of the armistice, moving from Caen on November 17th and reaching Blodschein the next day. Negro soldiers were a source of terror to the Germany throughout the war, and objects of great curiosity to the German people afterwards. Wherever they appeared in the area occupied by the Americans they attracted great attention among the civilians, in Treves, Koblenz and other places during the early days of the occupation. Crowds assembled whenever Negro soldiers stopped in the streets and it became necessary for the military police to enforce the orders prohibiting gatherings in the public thoroughfares. Returning soldiers have told how they were followed in the German towns by great troops of stolid, wide-ed German children who could not seem to decide in their minds just what sort of being these Negro fighters were. The curiosity of the children no doubt was inspired by stories told among their elders of the ferocity of these men. The Associated Press has related a conversation with a discharged German soldier in Rengsdorf, in which it is stated that the German army early in the war offered a reward for the capture alive of each Negro. The soldier said that throughout the war the Germans lived in great terror of the Negroes, and it was to overcome this fear that rewards were offered. 